Thanks for tuning into the ES First podcast. We'd love to connect with you on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. So take a minute to hop on over and give us a like or a follow. And of course, if you're ever in Excelsior Springs, stop on by. We can't wait to welcome you home. Good morning, everybody. How are you this fine middle of the holiday Sunday? Just a great, huh? As I got one great, everybody else is like, bring on the Chiefs and bring on the ball drop. Everybody's ready for uh, 2020, I'm sure. You got all your, uh, your uh, what do you call those? Where you do cool stuff? No. For the new resolutions, that's right. I stopped doing those years ago. Uh, that's funny. <laughs> Resolutions are a way to, uh, to reset your life. Hopefully, you're resetting your life every single week and sometimes every single day. And you don't need a whole, a whole entire year to do it. Because um, if you're like, you know, like if you get to February and you're like, you know what, I'm going to lose 30 pounds. And then like you fall off the wagon because it's your birthday. And then you're like, uh, you're like, you know what, there's always next year. And then you just like get as big as you can throughout the year. That's not really a good strategy. Um, if, if you have bad relationships uh, and, and, you know, like at the beginning of the year, you're like, you know what, I'm only going to date good guys and then you and then you find out you dated a real jerk and then you wait until the whole next year to date a good guy you're doing it wrong okay you should reset your life more often you should have better goals throughout the year but there's something about the new year that that happens and it it causes us to reflect a little bit I see a lot of people uh, posting and talking about stuff about 2019 as if it's a person you know what I mean like screw you 2019 like you know like if 2019 was a person they post some picture you know of, of a person that 29 would be it's like if you're year was that bad, maybe you didn't reset enough times throughout the year. Maybe you didn't take the moments it took to steer your life in the right direction. But now that it's 2020, or getting close to 2020, you were looking into it straight in the face, you have the opportunity to really reset your life. And I hope that you become the kind of person who resets your life again and again and again and recalibrates. Because if you get a few fraction of a degrees off, Throughout the year, you have the opportunity to reset quickly if you notice it. But if you wait to the end of the year, you'd be way off track, and then you have to come all the way back around and reset. So whether it's a resolution or a goal or an objective or whatever it is that you do, I pray and I hope that you're doing it often, that you're recalibrating your life, you're setting, am I headed in the right direction? Am I doing what I set out to do so that every uh, end of the year you don't have to go, you know what, 2020 was a real bear. 2019 was just awful to us. Oh, man, it was just terrible, as if there's somebody that was doing something to you. And I want to talk to you today a little bit about your life and your choices and who we are as a church and what we're going to do going forward. But um, more than that, I want, I want you to, to have a passion for your life in such a way that you desire to set a course for your life every single day, every single week, every single month, and so that 2020 will be the best year of your life. Say amen. All right. I, I was like uh, the Sunday in between Christmas and New Year's because it's a time when uh, we, we kind of like take a breather for a minute. It's like we've maybe had like 19 Christmases, uh, you know, and you had the moment with, the, with, with your parents and you hate taking everybody over to your parents' house. You had to go to, to, to your in-law's house and, and you weren't so sure what to do over there. And then you went over to another person's house and you had your friend's Christmas and it's this whole thing. And then you felt guilty for not showing up to the other person's Christmas and you're, you're just a whirlwind of stuff. And then all of a sudden you get a breather. And you're like, Phew. 
And most people are like, wow, it feels so good to have downtime. And some people won't even come to church on Sunday because they're like, you know what? I just need a break. But here you are on this day getting ready for the new year and getting ready to party hardy on New Year's Eve. How many people stay up all the way until midnight? Judah says, when is, Dad, when is the new year? I said, well, the new year's on Wednesday. And I said, on Tuesday uh, is, is New Year's Eve, and we stay up all the way until midnight. And then we go, happy new year. And uh, he's like, till midnight? I said, yes. So I'm going to go back home today and set all the clocks uh, three hours back. <laughs> or ahead, I guess, and so that it gets to be midnight really soon. Uh, <laughs> I may even show him uh, last year's ball drop, you know, on, on DVR or something. That way he can, like, feel like, ah, here it is, big celebration, dancing and all that stuff. Anyway, um, but the new year is, is a big party, and I want you to feel like it's a big time. But I want you to seriously think about your life inwardly, and I want you to be excited about, you know, whoever it is, whether it's Ryan Seacrest or Dick Clark or whoever does the ball drop. But whatever it is that you do for the new year, I want you to more than anything reflect inwardly about what you're going to do on the next day. And the next day, and the next moment, and what it is going to take for you to become the kind of person that God has always dreamed you to be. Are you ready? All right, so this week I was thinking about some things that ES First is and, and what we've become. And here we are, we're, we're like 2020. Now, uh, Pastor Larry Block has been the pastor of our church for almost a quarter of a century. Think about that. He came here in 1995. 25 years, and that year we had a 50-year celebration, a 50-year celebration, and so this church has been here about 75 years. And throughout the course of that, that, that quarter of a century, um, lots of different things happened. Some people have come, some people have gone, some people are still here. Uh, Mel, I was saying to some people the other day that Melanie Grooms has been here since 1998, when I was just a young, a young buck, uh, and she still looks like she's a young buck, or doe, uh, <laughs> and uh, I keep getting older. Uh, uh, John and Kitty Roush, wave your hands up there. They were a part of the committee that brought us here. John was a deacon. Kitty was actually the secretary of the church. Where's Wanda Lee? Wanda Lee's back there in the back. See her back there? She was a, Her and her mother were a part of the uh, committee that brought us here. And who else am I missing? I can't see everybody out there. I'm just working off the top of my head. But some people have been here for a very long time. And some people have been here for maybe weeks or months. And some people have been here maybe years. Um, but the world, the world keeps moving, and the church keeps moving. It becomes a place that, that people come in, and people come out. Some people come here and get restored, and then they go on to other places. Uh, my friend Phil Rittermeyer was here for about uh, five years, and he came uh, and spoke to us during our fall revival. He's a chaplain in the Army. He's been all over the world, and he started right here, his, his ministry right here. So some people go on to do great things. Some people go on to fall off the wagon, and they just, like, hate God and hate people and everything else, and they're out there, and we, we try to bring them back in. Some people going to other churches, but uh, ES First is an incredible place. And I remember that when my dad first came here, he said, um, he said, I believe I'm called to build a mega church in Excelsior Springs. Now, you don't know that. He doesn't talk about it very much. I believe, and, and he actually told his staff that, and uh, there was a young person who wanted to be the, the youth pastor here or whatever, and he says, what's your vision? He says, I'm going to pack this place out with people that love Jesus, and we're going to glorify God all over the world, and, uh, and then he said, what's your vision? <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> like, what do you think my vision is? And uh, that, was, that was his vision. Uh, back, back in those days, part of our, 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 our mission statement was taking Jesus to the nations, taking Jesus to the nations. And we sent uh, missionaries and money all over the world to people. And we sent teams uh, to 
all sorts of places. We've done all that. And, uh, and then there was a time where we didn't do much of that because what, what God had laid on pastor's heart was that God is teaching this place how to love God, how to love each other, and how to love the sinner. Okay? And so during that time, it became less of a party at church. It became less of a sending Jesus to the nations. It became less of missions giving. It became less of all that stuff. And it became more on focusing on the heart of what ES First was supposed to become. Okay? It became more of focusing on the heart of God. And, 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 and God told our pastor, he said, when, when, you, when this church begins to love me, love each other, and love this sinner, I'll restore greater worship, greater gifts, greater levels of the Holy Spirit. And what will happen is this church will grow out of that attitude and out of that heart. Okay, and so there's some people left here because they didn't, they wanted to speak in tongues like all service long and they didn't like it that uh, pastor, pastor had heard this thing from God and they wanted to have a Holy Ghost party. And he said, no, God's going to teach us how to love the sinner, um, how, how to reach the lost, how to, how to reach out past just having a party in the room, but to reach out. And so uh, as I began to reflect on 2019, I noticed that a lot of the things that were happening in 2019 were all things that came from this prophetic word that, that God had given to our pastor. And so I started thinking about... Um, the things that we do. And, and every, every month we give food to people who are in need of food. And so we have a thing called City Love and, and we give away food. Uh, every year we take a trip to Los Angeles and, and we, it, I, I like to call it embedding in people that go the heart of people who reach out. So I like to take people to Los Angeles because they come back here and they have a whole new spark for what could be done right here in this house, in this community. The first year I ever went, I took Melanie Grooms, and she came back, and she was all excited, and I said, I said, would you go back next year and help me out with a team? And she says, no, I'm never going back again. <laughs> right? She said, I loved it. It was a great experience, but I realized in Los Angeles, there are people right here in Excelsior Springs that need me to stay here and reach out to them. That's right. And so I said, man, if I could get this heart into everybody, what could happen? So uh, I've been praying about a homeless ministry and, and how to reach out to the homeless. And, and uh, I had one person approach me and say, uh, man, you, you would give a meal to a homeless person before you take care of your own kids. They didn't say it nicely. They were actually very upset at me. Uh, but they said that. And I was kind of hurt by that. But at the same time, I was like, amen. Isn't that amazing? That, that they get a, that flipped over that they see me as a person. One time I was, I was handing out a, a, a meal to somebody at the downtown uh, Poor Boys across from the, the, uh, the postal office. The guy was standing out there and he said, hey, would you give me some money? We're, we're homeless. And I said, hold on just a second. I rounded in a Wabash, got him like three uh, meals, and I came back and was giving him. And, uh, and my sister Allie was coming back from the golf course because she was there for a fundraiser all day for one of her friend's mothers, and uh, she comes back, she says, wow, look at that guy, he's handing out food to the homeless, isn't that amazing, and then he goes, wait, that looks like my brother, <laughs> and it was, it was me handing out food, uh, giving people, so it, the overwhelming sense, actually, in, in maybe like 2014, there's a, a newspaper article uh, on my wall in my office, written by my friend Jay, um, and it's, it's the front page of the paper, and it says that homelessness is a problem right here in Excelsior Springs. And I tacked it up there. I said, God, let us be able to do something about this before it's too late. Before it's too late. And uh, 
And so I, I took Kelly to Los Angeles, and she was quite, actually, you may not know this, but I, I actually, we actually had a food giveaway. It was like city love, only it was like door to door. We were like, we were like uh, Jehovah's Witnesses, only with food, okay? Uh, so like, we'd knock, and people would be like, hmm. Uh, we show up, and Ashley was in, was in youth group then. I showed up like seven teenagers, like, Kelly, you're going with me. And we roll up to this one, while she's like, she says, Brandon, that, that door says, that door says no trespassing, no soliciting. I said, it doesn't apply to us. Okay, so we walk up, and she's standing behind me. She's scared. And then, and then we hand out these groceries. Come to find out there was nine kids in that house, and she knew the person there. And she says, nobody needed food more than those people. I'm glad we stopped. And then I sent Kelly out as the door knocker from then on, and she went around knocking on doors. And people will be like, oh, this is no trespassing. Beware of dog, all that stuff. She's like, no, we're going. And she goes, and she becomes the biggest trooper for what God is doing right here in this place. And so I took her to Los Angeles, and, uh, and she begins to, to have a heart. She had, she had begun to see homeless people around town, um, just one or two. And then she went to Los Angeles. She came back and said, I can spot a homeless person from a mile away now. I was like, that person's homeless. And she stops, and out of that heart birth reaching out to people who are in need, whether they're in, in, in transit, whether they're homeless, whether they're addicted, it doesn't matter. And so for every twice, twice a month, not just once a month, twice a month we have a meal in the park and we want to meet people where they are. And Kelly heads up one of the greatest ministries in our church that doesn't get any applause, it doesn't get any excitement. It's just going out on a Tuesday night to meet people that are, are transient and maybe without homes, maybe without food, and, and trying to figure out what their next step is in the process so we can help them and, and become what God wants them to be. And so Kelly reads our second mile ministry. She doesn't do it for applause, but we honor you, Kelly. That's what happens right here, because all because God spoke to our pastor and said that, um, said that we are going to love God, love each other, and love the sinner. That happens. This year, we got to go to Belize. We took a team to go and... and uh, and, and build a school, a dormitory, and, uh, and, and deliver the, the heart of God. And, and what, what they said about our group, our, our group is the last group of the whole entire thing. Doug Reed said, he's, he kept going on, and he goes, it's not the most skilled team. We took like 20 people, and like five of them could build stuff, okay? And the rest of us were kind of like, what do we do? <laughs> uh, and he says, uh, he says, it's not the most skilled team, but it's by far the most spiritually in tune team we've had the whole entire summer. Right? And we don't come in here and play super spiritual. We don't come in here and play a bunch of games. What we do is we're concerned about loving God, loving each other, and loving the sinner. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that crazy? And so when I begin to teach at adult Sunday school, or adult Wednesday night Bible study, I begin to teach on the book of Acts and the power of God that was ours and what we could interact with people. And I said, I remember telling people, I said, when people ask you to pray, pray right there on the spot. Pray right there on the spot. And ES first has become a, a people, a group of people. A lot of them don't know how to pray, have never prayed before in their life. Uh, I remember Gayla, she's not here right on the front row. She may be here in the room. Uh, but uh, Gayla said, like, I don't pray. I don't like to talk out loud. But I was in, I was in the, the bathroom at Walmart, and this woman was there, and she was crushed in spirit. She didn't say that. That was really a biblical thing to say. But she was having a, a time, and, and I... For some reason, I'm standing there, and I open my mouth, and I say, can I pray with you? And as soon as I said that, I was like. 
And here she was praying with a woman in, bath, in the bathroom at Walmart, and she prayed for her there, right there on the spot. We're a people who care about people, and we pray and believe God for him to do something right there and there, which is crazy. Uh, and I'm, I don't want to like do something crazy, but, but my wife told me the story this week that she had an opportunity to pray with somebody just last week. And, and she asked her, she said, um, she said, can I pray with you? She said, oh, absolutely. Or can I pray for you? And she says, absolutely. And she was like walking out the door and, and Erica grabs her hand and is like, hey. And like, oh, you mean like right now? And so Erica prays for her. And then when she sees her the next week, she's like, since I had that interaction, she didn't know what to call it. She's like, this interaction with you. She's like, my life has completely changed. It's like completely changed. We're a people that care for people. And there's, and trust me, there's plenty of churches that won't even pray for people if they don't know they've been baptized, take communion, go to the right church, have the right faith, believe the right way. And here's ES First going out and praying for people in the streets, wherever they are, right on the spot, because we're a people who care about people outside of this room, people who love each other and love the sinner. That's what's going on here at ES First. It's amazing stuff. We have revival twice a year, and, and everybody that comes here and preaches, they're like, this is, this is abnormal. People don't have revivals, and I get messages from people on Facebook. Some of them are hate mail. Some of them are actually nice. But um, just kidding. I don't get any hate mail. Uh, that's the Kardashians. Uh, <laughs> but I get messages from people like, what you're doing is amazing, that you would have a revival on a, on a Tuesday night. People would come from your church to meet with God and, and to become stronger in the faith. And we have a revival twice a year. We're getting ready to have one at the end of January called Encounter Week. It's a whole week of revival. And we have a fall revival. And, then, and we have speakers coming in from all over the place. But I began to think about not just what we do, but who we are. So I wrote down a few things about who we are. Um, and I think this marks ES first. And hopefully it marks your life. And here's what it is. The first one is that we are loved by God. I remember when I was teaching a class, and, and uh, I was teaching about how we're chosen by God, and he is, he's chosen us to love us and to care for us. And, and a young lady in there said, um, this is the first, I said, I've gone to church all my life, and this is the first time that I've ever heard that God chose me, he loves me, he desires to be close to me, and that's an amazing feeling. And so when you come into ES First, I hope that you experience this idea that you are loved by God. And, and that's something that's in all of us, and it happens to be something that we express continually. And as a matter of fact, when we hear somebody say, I'm not loved by God, you say that next to Melody Donovan, she will tackle you, put you in a headlock, and begin to like whisper sweet nothings in your ear about how great you are and how God loves you and you're treasured by the Father. And that comes from the heart of ES First. As a matter of fact, when you hear somebody say something opposite of that, and you're a part of ES First, you begin to like, wait, 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 that's not, that's not the Bible I read. Because we know the truth. So we're loved by God, and so we extend the love of God, and that's what happens when we love each other and love the sinners. Here's another thing I noticed that, yes, first, we realize that we are sons and daughters. Okay? Most people get it flipped. They think that if they serve God long enough, then they'll become a son or a daughter. It's like if I prove that I'm good enough that you'll let me into the family, you'll give me a bed, you'll give me a place to stay, and you'll welcome me. But here at ES First, we realize that we're sons and daughters first. And because we're sons and daughters, we have such an incredible father, we'll serve him with our whole entire life. Become the people that honor God with everything inside of us because of who he is to us. And so we realize that we love God because he first loved us. 
We're sons and daughters. The next thing that, that he has first, I, I, I think, as we begin to think about everything that I, I, I feel like, ES first is the place of people who are forgiven and free. Forgiven and free. Now, forgiven is a process, is, 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 a, is a quick process. It's like you confess your sins. The Bible says that God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Past, present, future. He is looking to forgive you continually. He wants you to be a part of this forgiveness life forever. The next part is free, that God desires for us to be free. For chains to be broken is the anointing that breaks the bondage of sin on our lives. And God restores us and gives us freedom from the things that have bound us, gives them freedom, freedom from our past. But sometimes that process takes a moment. It takes a lifetime for some people, and it takes the process of offering yourself to God. And ES First is a place where we allow people to come in no matter where they are on that process and begin safely in a place where they can move from step one to step two to step three to step four until they can say with, with complete boldness and faithfulness that they are free by the power of God. That's the place that ES first is. Forgiven and free. That shame is broken off of us, that there is therefore now no condemnation for those of us in Jesus, and we are wrapped up in the love of God. The other thing that I felt like God was telling me that ES first is, it says that we're spirit filled. Now, a lot of people will, will ask your church, and most people in this church don't even know. Like the, the fight that goes on with a lot of churches, but seems like, are you spirit filled? And they're like, well, we, we do all this stuff. We jump around, we clap, we speak in tongues, we believe in healing, blah, blah, blah. And if you don't do that, you're going to hell. That happens, okay? On the other end of that, there's a lot of people that say, do you, are you spirit filled? And they're like, well, we don't do any of that. That's all demonic, okay? Now, spirit filled means that you are overflowing with the spirit of God inside you. With that comes gifts, with that comes fruit, with that comes power. And ES First is a place that's full of people who are living out the spirit-filled life every single day. And people notice it. You know, you know sometimes like when you realize that you get, you've gotten fat, like you look in the mirror, you, know, like you look in the mirror, you just see the same person you were when you were 17, right? And like you, you don't really pay much attention unless you got one of those like super like magnifying mirrors. And you're like, wow, I'm getting like wrinkles around my eyes. Okay, but then like it's Christmas time and somebody takes a picture of you by the tree. You know what I mean? And everybody else looks like supermodels, and you look like, you know, Humpty Dumpty. And you're like, what happened to me? Right? It's like you just became something slowly, and you didn't notice, right? And here at ES First, people are so in tune with the Spirit and becoming more and more like God and overflowing with the Spirit that, that we don't often notice what's happening right here. But what happens is people come from the outside, and they go, that church is it, different. No matter if they're on the super spiritual side or the, the non-spirit-filled side, if they're like, that's all demonic, or if that's you guys aren't spiritual enough, people come here and they go, like, there's something different about you. It's the spirit-filled power of God that is alive and active in this church. Okay? And so it is our job as stewards of God's spirit and his power to begin to press into that in greater ways. And it has the power to transform your life. When I was young and I was... Um, 
I was 19, and I opened up the Bible one time. I was in, on a break at work, and, and uh, my mom had bought me this Bible, and I was all excited about it. I turned to 2 Peter, and it says, it says that God has given us all things pertaining to life and godliness. And at first, I was like, okay. And at 19, I, I didn't think that God was really concerned about my life. I just thought he was concerned about my godliness. But the God has given us all things pertaining to life and godliness. Uh, and last week I talked about how every good and perfect gift comes down from above, from the Father of lights, that Jesus is, is giving us every perfect gift. So if you have a good gift in your life, even if it's not like something that's super churchy or spiritual, it's from God. And so we want to drive a wedge in between our, 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 our Christian life and our, and our secular life. But what God is, is wanting to do is he wants to merge those. God is giving you all things pertaining to life and godliness. He wants you to grow in righteousness, and he wants you to succeed in life. He wants you to, to grow in the things of God, and it should bleed into who you are every single day. We should become people who are so entranced with becoming who God wants us to be. And that's what happens when we walk out every single day. But that takes something that's very powerful. It's called a choice. It's choice. God has given us choice. It's, it's a pretty incredible uh, thing. Actually, it's very dangerous, and it seems like something that can blow up at any, any given time. But God trusts you with it. He gives you your own choice. How many people have ever blown up because of their own choices? Any electricians in the house? Okay, just a second. Any non-electricians just blew up something? Okay, all right, just a second. It's kind of like that. God gives you choice. He gave Adam and Eve choice, and they, they blew it. He gives you a choice every single day to choose him or to not choose him. To choose his way or to not choose his way. And so here's what, what happens when, when, uh, in, in Deuteronomy, actually, the children of Israel somewhere, and, and God presents to them this whole list of what their life can be like if it's blessed, and their whole life, what it can be like if it's cursed. It says, here's what a blessed life looks like, and here's what a cursed life looks like. And he, he, he gets done with this whole entire list, and then he says this right here on, on Deuteronomy 30. This day I call the heavens and earth as witnesses against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. He says, now choose life. Now choose life. There's a time in this church wasn't so focused on life. And it had nothing to do with the pastor's vision. It had everything to do with the people's heart to choose life or death. In your life, as a matter of fact, when you look at 2020, what it's going to be like versus 2019, or the whole entire past decade, or the whole entire last millennium, isn't that cool to say? Been alive, you know, part of the whole millennium. When you look at your life, it boils down to not what God has done, but what you have chosen to allow God to do in your life. You can have blesses, blessings or curses. It says, I call heaven and earth, everybody around, that they can all witness this in your life. And most of us are so busy going, you know, God wasn't there. God did this. God created this. I guess God just wanted this, this sorrow and this, this wreckage in my life. And although a God is, is, is with you and a part of you, he has given you choice to live your life in what he has for you or what he doesn't. And that's blessings or curses. He says, now I want you, here's a hint, if you want your life to go well, choose You can't just do that at the end of the year. It's every single day. 
You can't just do that, you know, like, well, once I realize that I've trashed everything, I mean, it's a good time to make a choice, but you're going to have to get up tomorrow and make a choice. Get up the next day and make a choice. Just like you decide to love your person next to you. Just like you decide to, to love the sinner. Just like you choose to love God. It takes that to transform what's happening in your life. You have to choose life. You have to choose life. Habakkuk, in chapter 1, he's, he's one of the minor prophets, but he's actually, he's, he's actually a, kind of a sob story for a minute. In Habakkuk chapter 1, it says this, How long, Lord, must I call for help? You do not listen or cry out violence, but you don't save me. Habakkuk, is just, he's, just, he's just like gut-wrenching, yelling out to God, and he happens to be writing it out. People don't even realize what that's like anymore because they have cell phones, but I, I used to write in a journal, man. I, I, I would write everything just... Bam. Ah, and it was only when I was really, really pissed off. You know what I mean? Like, that's when I write it the most because I didn't have the, the guts to just hit people in the face. Unlike my friend Chaplain Rittermeyer, who, like, if he was upset at a guy, he would just walk up to him, hit him right in the face. That's why he's in the army and I'm a pastor. <laughs> he was also shorter, you know, short guy problems. Um, so, welcome back. How long, Lord? And this is our life a lot of the times. It's, it's this blaming God. It's this, it's this interacting with God in such a way. You could fix it. You didn't. What's the problem? And this is like halfway through the Bible. Deuteronomy is early on. I mean, we're talking about the early process of becoming Jesus followers. He says, choose life, choose life. I wonder if he could respond to, to Habakkuk. He would say, choose life, Habakkuk. Habakkuk, Habakkuk, Habakkuk. <laughs> Nobody knows how to say it, really. We just kind of make up something. It's probably more like... <sighs> Habakkuk 1, 2. But here in Habakkuk 2, he says that he kind of gets the picture and he says this. See, the enemy is, is, uh, is puffed up. His desires are not upright, but the righteous person will live by his faithfulness. One version says the righteous will live by faith in the faithfulness of God. One version says that the righteous will live by the faith of God. Man, I love that. Because oftentimes, when we're going through this choice thing, we know all the choices we've made. We know all the bad things we've done. We know all the screwed up stuff we've done. And we just go, you know what? I can't do it. I've messed up. I mean, January's going to come along, and I'm going to do some things right. It's going to be great. Everything's going to be going so good. And then I'm going to mess it up. And then I'm going to blame God. Oh, God, how long? He says, choose life. I tried to choose life. I, I I suck at it. I just choose curses all the time. Just choose problems. I choose defeat. I choose everything else but you, God. But Habakkuk says the righteous person, the person who is really right standing with God, will live by his faithfulness, by God's faithfulness, by the faith of God. In other words, that this word faith, pistis, my favorite Greek word, this word faith, is actually to be persuaded that every single day you get up and, and you're persuaded it's going to be a good day. I'm persuaded that God's going to do great things in my life. I'm persuaded that everything's going to happen for my good. I'm persuaded that it's not going to end. I'm persuaded that I'm going to, I'm going to live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. I'm persuaded that my children will be taught by the Lord. I'm persuaded that I'll leave a, a, an inheritance for my, my children's children. I'll be, I'll be persuaded that, that I am free and forgiven. I'll be persuaded that I'm loved by God. I am persuaded. Why? Because of his faithfulness. His faith. 
in my life, and I get to choose. Now, here's, here's what I, I get from all this, that God wants the good things for your life. He's not up there just flipping a coin like, oh, you know what? I think I'm going to screw up his life today. <laughs> he wants good things for your life. He says things like, I don't leave you. I never forsake you. I'm always with you. I will fight for you. You need only to be still. This is the kind of stuff that God says. He says that I'm not a, I'm not a man. I'm not a person like, like you and all your friends. I don't lie and change my mind. Those things that I don't do. God is faithful, period. And so when he's, he gives this great plan, he's like, here, I, I've set before you life and death. All you have to do is choose life. In other words, God is actually already doing the good things in your life. He wants to make them happen in your life. You just have to choose to walk in them. He's not up there flipping a coin going, here's one thing, here's the other thing. Bad, good, bad, good, bad, good, bad, 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 good, bad, 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 good. Oh, 2019 sucks. What he's saying is choose. And trust me, when you choose, my faithfulness will take care of you. My faithfulness, my power in your life will take care of you. So what's the problem? Why don't we walk in it? Why don't we choose? Why don't we take care of that gift of faith? Well, there's two things the Bible kind of talks about. And and it talks about them often, but I I pull out two verses. Number one is your intake. Check this out. Uh, Give me Mark. Consider carefully what you hear, Jesus continues. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you and even more. Now, let me just ask you something. What are you listening to? What do you hear? What do you let into your heart? Because that's what he's really talking about. He's talking about the hearing of your heart. He says, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear. He says before this. Not just your ears, because everybody has ears. Somebody can't hear so good out of the left one or the right one, or maybe both of them, whatever. But you, you hear into your heart. Consider carefully what you hear. Consider it carefully. Some of you are more concerned about counting calories on the box than considering what goes into your heart. Some of you are more concerned about everything else in your life than what goes into your heart. Consider carefully what you hear. And when I was a kid, we used to have this saying, maybe you had it when you were a kid too, garbage in. Oh, you heard that one, huh? That's made it here to Excelsior Springs. What goes in comes out. And so if you're at a point where you can't choose every time you make the wrong choice, maybe what's coming out of you, what you're putting in. You know what I'm saying? When I was, when I was a youngster, um, I listened to love songs, okay? That's my, my jams, okay? Like slow jams. And probably because it was kind of like church music, I don't know. Um, but, and all those guys grew, grew up in church, you know, like uh, Jodeci and Drew Hill and, and Boyz II Men. These guys like sang like they're in church. And uh, here, here's the problem with love songs. Most of them are about the bad side of love. They're about the breakup, right? And I realized that every time in my life, every relationship, I was looking for it to like be this sob story. You know what I mean? It's like, thank God for homework movies. They always end really well, okay? But unfortunately, most love songs and most romantic movies don't end all that well. They end in a sob story. What are you putting into your heart? 
And you're wondering why every relationship fails. You're wondering why you always think the worst, why you're always looking for it to go bad. Right? Because you're putting in the wrong things. Now, anybody ever been sick? Okay. Anybody ever go to that magical place called Google and looked up what you were sick with? I don't know, I got a cough and a runny nose. I've got the plague, okay? Like, I don't know how you got there. My mom just gave me chicken soup, but we're all, all of a sudden, we're, we're dying. And some, some people may need to go to the doctor for that, but what you put in will create your world, and it will create your choices every single day that you go through. We start saying things like, my anxiety, my depression. Well, I just always get this way. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm. I'm, I'm, I'm. What are you putting in? Choose life or choose death? You choose. Okay? Now, here's the other thing. He says, no, we got garbage in, goes garbage out. But the next thing is your output. And, and this is what it says in Proverbs. Check this out. The tongue has the power of life and death. Sound familiar? Life and death is in the power of the tongue. Life and death is in your mouth. And those who love it will eat its fruit. In other words, what comes out of your mouth is what you will eat. Now, some of you are married, and you need to start looking at your spouse, and when they say something, you need to go, you're going to eat that. Some of them might, go, might not go well for the first week or two. But <laughs> eventually, if they begin to believe the word of God, they'll go, that's not what I meant. And they'll change their words. Because... Words are that powerful. And the funny thing is, like, this is in the Bible, like, this is uh, Solomon's book, book of Proverbs. This is almost 3,000 years ago. And just now, neurologists are opening up people's brains, taking pictures of them, and realizing this is the absolute truth. Or well, they don't think it's God that invented it, they just think it's science. But God was talking about it 3,000 years ago. And people thought it was hocus pocus. And now that some, some guy with a lab coat... And glasses says, well, it's what you say will manifest in your life. It's true. It's true. How many people, when they were 20 years old, now, if, if you're, like, let's say you're over 40. You remember at 20 years old, you're like, I'm just so old. Remember that when you said that? How many people wish they had their 20-year-old body back? I would take those 20-year-old aches and pains in my knees for anything. Well, it's all downhill from here. Are you kidding me? You're 20. Right? And you started to live like an old person. Right? Right? And now you're 40 and you're like, man, I shouldn't have done that. I should have lived with vitality. And you start looking around at people that are like super healthy. Like I got, I got pictures on my phone of guys that are like 65 and 75 just shredded out. Gray beard, gray. And I look at them. I'm like, that's what I'm going to be like at 70. Give me till 2021 to start. <laughs> but that's going to be me. Right? But I want to have vitality. I want to have strength. I want to be the person that can, that, that can live on. And if every day I go, you know what? It's over for me. I'm over the hill. My wife's going, you better not be over the hill. I just, I just bought into this thing. <laughs> what you say out of your mouth will come to pass. Because your, your mind will help make it happen. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that as you speak it, what's happening is that you will eat the fruit of it. It will grow. It starts out as a seed, and it grows, and it grows, and it grows. That's your output. But listen, if the intake says what you put in will come out, 
Listen, if what's coming out of your mouth, James says this, he says the tongue is an unruly member. You can't control what comes out of your tongue. You want to know why? Because it speaks from your heart. That's what the Bible says. It speaks from your heart. So whatever you put into your heart naturally comes out of your tongue. It naturally comes out. So it's not always changing what you're saying. It's changing what you put in. What are you putting in? That's what we're talking about. That's what we're talking about. It all comes down to choice. There's a saying that says, there's nothing quite as powerful as a made-up mind. In Romans, Paul says, offer your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. It's your reasonable act of service. In other words, it's the least you can do. He says, don't be conformed to the way this world thinks, but be transformed by renewing your mind. You've got to renew every single day. It's a choice. I will live in life. I will live in life. I will live in life. And if you look back over your 2019 and all you see is death, trust me, it's not 2019's fault. It's your choice. Choice. It's your choice. Choose life. Choose life. We're getting ready to go into a time of fasting. Next week we'll start fasting at sundown on Sunday. I'll talk to you about fasting in the morning. But the theme this year for our fast is closer. Allison said, what's your theme? And I said, I don't know. Let me pray about it. Let me, let me think a little bit. Um. The Bible says that as you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. Okay? It says in there that, that Moses would go and see God face to face. And when he came down, he was transformed. He was changed. People that hung out with Jesus, they were transformed and they were changed. And I want for you and me and ES First, we've done some great things in the past 25 years. It's a quarter of a century. But I want 75 years from now, I want our kids to look back and go, I was a part of the greatest change that ever happened in this community. The generosity that came out of this building. We just gave 194 kids toys. That's about 400 toys. Can you imagine next year when every kid gets an Xbox? I'm going to sign up myself. Babe, get my information ready. Can you imagine what it would be like if we were that generous? I have, I have pastors from other countries that I, that I know. Say, would you, would you help me send one of my students to Bible college? I'm like, well, how much is it? Like $5,000. I'm like, I don't have $5,000, but I want to I send them. Could we send them? People say, I need a place to stay, and, and, and I'm living out here under, under a bridge or a in a tent or, or wherever, could, could we have the places that transform with the goodness of God? People's lives, take them from point A to point B, point C, the next place, the next place. But right now it just feels like I can't do it. Why? Because we need people who are close to God to hear the heart of God, to move forward, to do great and incredible things. Giving food away is awesome. Going to other countries is awesome. Second mile twice, twice a month is awesome, but what about all the other 28 days of the month? 
It takes us hearing the heart of God. It takes us choosing every single day. And most of us are fighting stupid battles every single day in our mind, in our heart. Like, I don't know. I just don't feel good. I don't know. Every single day. Well, guess what? God needs you to realize that he has the victory. All you have to do is choose. And you can stop fighting that battle and fight real battles. Let's go fight some real battles. Let's go kick in the devil's teeth every single day. Let's do the real things that God has for us because that's who we are, but it requires us to draw closer. And as we know him, we say yes, and we choose the right thing every single day. Could it be you? Could it be you? It transforms this community, this region, this state, the Midwest. Somebody once told me, it says, someday people are going to come to Excelsior Springs and they're not even going to know Excelsior Springs exists. They're going to say, have you been to ES First? And they'll get here and they'll go, oh, it's called ES First because they're a part of this town called Excelsior Springs. It'll be the place that people know. And you're here to choose life, to make it happen or not. Can your family tree be changed? Can addiction be broken in your life? Can poverty be broken in your life? Can you move on to the next place God has for you? It takes choice every single day. Choose life, choose life, choose life. I hope you wake up going, choose life, choose life. Not, oh, my knee. Oh, man, this is terrible. Ah, I was like, no, I'm alive and I'm well. Fish oil all up in my joints. Let's get this thing going. Choose life. Every time you come home after a hard day's work and you go, you know what, I just don't know if it's worth it. I just hate this job, but all I got is 10 more years and I'll be retired. I want you to go, it was the greatest day. It was alive and it was powerful and God moved in my life. Every time you pay the bills, like, yeah, I'm choosing life. I'm going to be debt free in Jesus' name. Choose life. Every time you look at your spouse that will be married until we're dead, choose life. What will you choose? your opportunity. Would you stand up where you are? Let's just declare God's power and love over us today. Bow your heads, close your eyes, lift your hands, whatever you're comfortable with. But let's just receive this today. God, I pray that life and life more abundantly would be in our life. It's what you've called us to. Jesus came that we would have life and life more abundantly. Life and life overflowing. I pray that our lives would overflow with the goodness, the power of God, with everything you have for us, God. And, and we don't want to leave stuff on the shelf that belongs to us if he would just say, yes, I choose life. We don't want to wind up dead going, all the things that we could have been if we would have just said yes. All the things that we could have said, all the things we could have accomplished, all the people we could have transformed, all the lives that could be changed. If we just said yes, we choose life. God doing us great things that we never thought impossible, never thought possible. Do the unimaginable in us and make the impossible possible because we're spirit-filled people full of the power and presence of God. Give us your faith, your faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated.